On this episode of the State of the Bulldogs with Sam, Mike, Jeb, and Grant, we recap the couple of games over Thanksgiving uh, that our Sanford Bulldogs played in basketball. We talk about the SoCon Football Awards uh, and the all-conference teams, and then look ahead to the big Louisiana game uh, this week. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and leave a good review. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at State of the Dogs. And with that, let's kick this thing off. I would imagine that yeah. there ain't nothing like it. Yeah. In a Saturday yeah. on a Saturday night. Yeah. After a big win. Yeah. Eight against a four and five team from the FCS. And here goes Montreal Washington. He's skipped through the defenders and he's taking it all away. On the run, he's got room. Inside the five, Quintendon wins it. All right, Grant, the best week of the year is over. Thanksgiving has been enjoyed. Uh, Regular season FBS football has concluded. The first round of the FCS playoffs uh, has concluded. And here we are. We're, We're a week away from December. It is Sunday, Sunday the 26th. The year has flown. We're talking football awards, non-conference basketball, FCS playoffs. But Grant, it's just you and I tonight. No Mike and no Jeb. I'm still trying to figure out who this Jeb character is you guys keep talking about. I have no idea. (laughs) I'm still on the fence about that. I think he feels a whole lot less pressure to come on now that you've joined. So that's that's both good and and we're sad. We're sad. Jeb will be back. for those who aren't aware, he's working very hard at a full-time job and getting his MBA at Wake Forest, the Demon Deeks. Jeb's Jeb's schedule is a little bit fuller. Yeah, he's getting he's getting a big time degree, so we can let we can let that go, so we don't have to. Well, let's harp, not give him too, too much. much. Let's not <laughs> let's not pump it up too much. He's yeah. getting a degree, but yeah, another degree. But Grant, I mean. It was a wild, wild weekend of football. You have uh, Milrow. The Milthrow. Some people are calling it the Milthrow. You had the Milthrow and the UTC walk-off. And Mercer getting their first uh, uh, playoff. We'll get to all of this a little bit later, but it was just a wild, wild weekend. Gosh, first thing I think of talking about the FCS playoffs, it's like, well, Sanford hung with this team. Mercer won score. Mercer won a playoff game. They hung with Chattanooga. If you don't give them two pick sixes, Chattanooga won a playoff game. And then Furman, and then Furman obviously has the bye. But right, yeah, it's just a mix of oh, good for them. That's more of a oh, dang, that's how close we were to being one of those teams again back in the playoffs. Dude, th- this was so sad. I looked. I was just looking up conference stats, right? We had the third best offense, shocker. You know, we had a very, very good offense. We had the third best conference scoring defense. Mm. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Like that is a combination that should land you in the playoffs, but we're not here to rehash the uh, falling short of expectations. Um, no, we've talked about that enough. We don't, we don't need to, we don't need yeah, to. Yeah, that horse is it. dead. That horse even is though, dead. Even though I was the one that brought it up, but we don't need to keep talking about it. <laughs> Well, let's talk about basketball. We'll get to football uh, in a minute. We'll talk about the playoffs too, uh, which have been wild in a minute as well. But let's talk about basketball. I mean, we had a little um, multi – What I keep forgetting the name, yeah. Grant. I'm sorry. The, multiple the multi-team event. 
multi-team multi-team event the mte yeah we had a great mte in homewood over thanksgiving um bulldogs were undefeated we're on a nice little win streak uh talk talk a little bit about what the basketball team's been up to grant yes you mentioned uh won our mte this weekend beating alabama state merrimack and north carolina ant so again just what you want to see in these games after the after the tough First week of non-conference games, Purdue and VCU come back, kind of settle down. You're in familiar territory. Remember, you're playing nine straight home games this time around. Compared to last year, we had to go on the road for seven straight. And you've won for and you've won five of the first nine, so plenty of positives to take away as we'll dive into. But how about obviously exactly what you wanted to see picking up these uh, these five straight wins? For sure, I Grant, I am shocked. I'm shocked that currently. As we stand today, that a chore, a chore is our leading scorer. It's crazy. He's averaging almost 14 points a game and just total points is like 22 up on AJ State McRae, who is is second. Jaden Campbell's third. Like first first couple games, we would have I would have thought that Jermaine would be leading by a mile. Yeah. Um. But but not yet. R- Ryland Jones has made a a little comeback, a little comeback. Yeah. Uh. But still, still only almost half of what a chore is putting up. Crazy. Yeah. Then of course you got to factor in Jermaine hurting his hand and not playing the last two games. Mm-hmm. But but still seeing these guys step up in lieu of that Jermaine injury, we'll see how how long indefinitely means how long he's out. We'll see next couple of weeks. But. Still, what we wanted to see, what Bucky talked about in the offseason, how much Toro Torres approved over the year, as you mentioned, against NCAT, 26 points and six boards, and then had 11 and eight against Merrimack. Also, another double-double against South Carolina State. So if he keeps this up, and like I mentioned in our preview, talking about how he needs to limit hit the fouls and stay out of foul trouble to stay on the floor, him doing that will be a big boost for the Sanford team, for sure. No, it's awesome. I mean, we love a chore, so it's like – yeah. Bring it on, baby. Bring it on. Um <clears throat> I'm looking at I'm looking at that multi-team event. It looked like it looked like Alabama State cleaned up outside of the game with us, uh, where they lost 99 to 67. They beat North Carolina AT and Merrimack as well. So just from a if you I know it wasn't technically a tournament, but from a standings perspective, you could say that uh Sanford won, Alabama State two. Was Merrimack the only one to come out without a dub? Uh, they, they, beat, play? they beat A&T on Wednesday uh, by 20s. Ah, okay, okay. So, so A&T lost two close ones. Yeah. went winless, unfortunately. Yeah. Not that we should be too, too surprised. I think Merrimack yeah. was – I think probably we should be surprised by Alabama State. Merrimack yeah, came in sure. as the defending conference champions, um, probably second favorite to – second only to Sanford in terms of uh, – expected competitiveness so to speak uh but alabama state you know kind of good alabama as a whole turning turning some basketball programs around yeah alabama state just looking at their upcoming schedule they play next sunday the mississippi university for women i honestly didn't know that was a real school but you have that but then their next three games Uh, lsu lsu usc auburn and south florida that is an interesting yeah. Maybe wow, okay. I'm assuming that's D2, Mississippi College for Women, Mississippi University for Women in Columbus, Mississippi. 
Wow. Anyway, uh, Grant, Sanford isn't the only isn't the only team uh, playing basketball right now. The SoCon has been making some noise. Has been making some noise. Tell us, tell us about what's going on uh, with some of the other teams in the SoCon. Yeah, I'll dive into this week for sure. Remember going back last week? Was it? I believe UNCG they beat Arkansas, right? When yep. I think about it. Yep. And, so and Jeb was one year too early on his prediction. Yeah, that's he right. He was yeah. ready to hang the banner in yeah. Greensboro last year, but yeah. So the SoCon stepped up and played some high major teams. Well, if if you count the bottom of the ACC high high major teams when. Western Carolina beat Notre Dame, but still, I would say low teams. major, but continue. Still, but I digress. Going back, going back to this week before I go on another tangent about the ACC. Uh, SoCon teams this week went twelve and nine, so over five hundred. UNC, it's not bad. Yeah, UNCG is playing right now as we're recording, so they should win to move to thirteen and nine. I kind of broke it down with the best win, and then best game. Like the best that. win, according to Ken Palm, was uh, Mercer over Tennessee State, sixty to fifty nine. Tennessee State been, is the 217th team in Kenpon. This must have been the get the get right week for the SoCon if that was the yeah. best win coming in at 217. My goodness. Yeah, I couldn't find. I have to go back and look at everybody's, but I couldn't find any opponent in a winning game for the SoCon over over 217. But anyway, going I mean, to best game, fair. the best game this week, the best game was probably. Uh, about 20 minutes from Sanford's campus, I was down at UAB. Uh, Furman traveled to UAB. I took a six-point loss in a high-scoring affair. But UAB will play, again, teams and the other teams in the conference, but not us. But Interesting that they would play Furman and not Sanford. Yeah. Very interesting. And uh, to just to back up one sec, I was trying to think of why maybe we had to play as a conference all of these kind of scrubbier programs is probably because everyone and their mother is in a Thanksgiving day turn or Thanksgiving week tournament. That's fair. Yeah. I didn't every beach possible. Yeah. From Daytona to Maui. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. When you got Arkansas and Stanford playing in the Bahamas, you kind of, kind of lose a little bit of your teams that are like, Oh yeah, we don't want to travel. We don't want to go to San Diego. Like Oklahoma and USC did. We we just want to stay home and play, play lower level teams. I did not realize UA freaking B scheduled Furman. I don't know how that never clicked when I was looking at their schedule. That is annoying. Yeah. yeah. And it was right in the middle of the Iron Bowl. So. so I don't know about the crowd there. but Oh, I bet it was empty as could be. Still, uh, going through the other top teams, as you mentioned, going through this, you realize, well, yeah, those other big teams were playing in a tropical places around the world but western carolina went one and oh they only played one game against north alabama Furman, as i mentioned went oh and two but they played uab and a solid wyoming team from the mountain west so that's not a whole lot to take away there as you're playing two good teams still so. right i mean it's always good to see Furman lose though yeah right. i'm not complaining i don't care if they play duke or <laughs> i don't care if they play duke or if they, if they play the mississippi university for women like if they lose i don't care oh yes but going down at the other Teams UNCG went two and zero against Missouri, Kansas City, and Delaware, and then Chattanooga went one and one with a close loss against Evansville, who is a who is a top two hundred Ken Palm team. Okay, and then they beat. Okay, they beat time out. Day, top so. two hundred uh, for the listeners. They're one ninety seven. That's uh, top that two hundred. As close to the top two hundred as you can possibly get yeah. without being yeah. out of it. 
So I did also have a worst loss category, but I couldn't find any any teams that played lower level teams and lost. As you as we keep mentioning, those are the big teams playing in other playing in other places around the world. But it's interesting. Uh, UTC and Furman both coming back down to earth a little bit. UNCG probably still riding hot, uh, but after those first couple of weeks, just on the on Twitter, man, UTC was feeling themselves, thinking that they were hot. Connor Huff was here to take over the SoCon again. Slow your roll, Monks. Slow your roll, baby. And that and the Evansville game was at home too. What so? Ooh. In, in overtime. In the roundhouse. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. I did mention top 200. Chattanooga's currently 186 in Ken Palm. Evansville is now 198. So, I mean, still. Should we kick him out of the conference for not being above 170 or below 170? I don't know. Last year we lost to Tennessee Southern. So I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm the one. <laughs> Look, to talk. we got to talk smack while we can. You know, like while while we can before it, before a loss like that happens. Again. It's funny you mentioned Chattanooga. Sanford's first conference game is Chattanooga at home. So let's go, baby. January third. But yeah, that kind of goes through this past week, and I kind of chose the best game for this next week. Speaking of Furman, Furman travels to Princeton on Saturday. Princeton, is Princeton another good? solid team who. Who went deep in the who went deep in the tournament last year? So, well, okay. Princeton is 53, 53rd in Ken Palm, and they're six and zero right now. Fifty third in Ken Palm. Furman's about to get waxed. Let's go Tigers! Let's go Tigers! Man, yeah. that is Furman's. This tough, tough schedule that Furman put together here. I mean, this kind of sounds like our little, you know, Oregon State, Ole Miss scheduled two or three years ago. Yeah. Uh, we came out a little bit more on top than the Paladins are, are finding themselves. But Yeah, Furman definitely built this schedule as we want to – we know we're going to be near the top of the Southern Conference. Let's try to find these big wins so we can put on a resume so we can get a, a two-bit SoCon bid. That's probably, that's probably what their thinking was coming into this year as they still have games against Arkansas and uh, Tulane's an okay team, but still Arkansas after Princeton, so – UNCG might be the only one who could get an at-large with that one over Arkansas. And even then, yeah, given everyone else's losses across the conference to, to other teams, it's suspect at best. I remember last year, Grant, before you were on the pod, some amateur amateur Sanford basketball fans were saying that the SoCon could get two bids. And uh, fast forward, there was really no prayer uh, for that ever to happen. And it's not looking likely this year as well. A lot of a lot of things would have to, a lot of teams yeah. ahead of the SoCon teams would have to lose. Because I think at this point last year, Furman was was right at the 100, maybe maybe a little bit into the high 90s. Whereas this year, we're all kind of square. The top teams in the SoCon are all squarely between one and 180, 190. Yeah, last home, year. So. Yeah, last year this time, Furman was 61st. 61st, right. Yeah, 61st. Yeah. No no kind of buzz around any team like that uh, this year. But, I mean, that makes sense, you know? Furman had yeah. two guys that, that are flirting with the NBA. I don't know if they're still – I guess they're still in the G League. I don't know. I don't yeah. pay attention to those two unnamed – or will not be named players. Yeah. Okay. Um, yep. Elsewhere in the SoCon. So, we got a lot of news to get through, people. A lot of news. Um a lot happened over Thanksgiving and, and the week leading up after we'd recorded last week. 
One of which was the football awards came out. Uh, the all-conference teams for media and coaches, the uh, Walter Payton nominees for Player of the Year, the Jerry Rice Award nominees for Freshman of the Year. And we had the same for guys on all these. Obviously, the SOCOM. Uh, but we'll start at the top. So the Walter Payton nominees, Player of the Year. Uh, we had three guys named to it. Cole Gonzalez, or the SOCOM had three guys named to it. Uh, Sanford had one. Cole Gonzalez, uh, quarterback at Western who I famously said is terrible after watching the Arkansas game. And you know what? I think I'm still going to stand by that. His stats weren't overly (laughs) impressive and I'm going to double down. He's coming back next year and I'm not going to expect any kind of magic from him next year. Uh, Michael Hires, who unfortunately will not be able to return, uh, was a nominee for the award. And then Ty James, the freak wide receiver from Mercer. So not really surprised. Um, if Desmond Reed hadn't been hurt, I probably would have expected to see his name on there, maybe in lieu of Cole Gonzalez or maybe in addition to Cole Gonzalez. I mean, that offense, yeah. number one in the FCS, uh, an incredible run by the Catamounts that, eh, to our delight, ended ended a little short of the playoffs. Um, but yeah, yeah, so we had three SoCon reps. Don't lose to VMI. Don't lose to VMI. Yep. It's that That's easy. That's the rule. Yep. That's the rule, especially when they're – Rebuilding. They're not even bad. They're just rebuilding this year. Um, Great rebound from last year. But uh, three dudes nominated for the Walter Payton Award. There's one, at least one nominee from each conference. So that three is pretty good. Um, As far as the SOCON specific award. So just going off the media team, we only had three first teamers. Jay Stanton, uh, Jabari Brooks, and Noah Martin. It, I did notice this, uh, Grant, and I was a little peeved. Chandler Smith, okay? Chandler Smith led the league, the conference, in receptions. Fourth in yards. And the most he gets is second team on the coaches all-conference team. Nothing on the media team. I mean, give me a break. Total snub. Yeah, they basically just went... Let's go find the top two receivers with the most yards, and boom! Let's let's put that let's put that on the team. Well, they didn't even do that if they're looking at conference stats because that's true. Yeah, he was fourth in the conference in yards. That's right. Yeah, <sighs> brother, I I didn't know what to. Th- I was like, I saw that, and I was like, Where, where's Chandler? Where's Chandler? Yeah, I mean, you lead the conference in receptions in con- like conference in receptions in conference. Dang. I know it's a little. Uh, Com- not complicated, but it's yeah. a little wordy. And you're not on the the all the first or second all media team. Like, how do you, you're all conference team by the media? How do you, how does it even happen? <sighs> whatever, maybe, whatever. Yeah, maybe he just because he had one receiving touchdown at conference play. Maybe that was it. But I can't find any other reason why not. No, he had five. He had five touchdowns. I was like one touchdown. That seems low. He had five touchdowns, yeah. averaged yeah, eighty yards seems, a game, uh, the SoCon uh, and six six point six catches uh, per their official websites uh, per conference game. And he had one less conference game. He only played in eleven conference games. When Ty James, Jamoy Mays, Sam Phillips, you know these guys had twelve an additional game less catches, um, by a lot. Like Chandler Smith had seventy three catches in conference. Next best is Ty James at 61. What the heck? And then he's 100 yards more than Sinceri Lee at fourth in the conference in yards. Now, granted, Ty James, Jamoy Mays, 
and Javin Watley or Gavin Watley, forgive me the pronunciation, they were the top three and it was tight. 968 to 1102 was the spread there. So a clear top tier in terms of yardage. But the receptions is not even close. Like a total snub, total snub. Like I said, he was on the coach's uh, second team, but still just kind of annoying to see. But the the bright spot was Brendan Jenkins. So not only does he win SoCon Freshman of the Year, which is super exciting, um, he's also nominated for the Jerry Rice Freshman of the Year Award. Now, I don't think he will get Freshman of the Year. Uh, there's a lot of stud freshmen on this FCS list. There's twenty. There were 22 named. Most of them, obviously, on offense. But you have, I mean, Mon- listen to this guy. Montana's running back, uh, Eli Gilman. Montana's the number two team in the country. He had 857 yards on 152 carries. Averaged five and a half yards per carry. Also okay. had 100 uh, yards receiving. So almost 1,000 yards between rushing and receiving as a freshman. Um, you know, so he has a pretty good, pretty good argument for that one. And uh guy at a Utah Tech, Bo Sparks, receiver, 723 yards. I mean, Brennan Jenkins was incredible. Every time he touched the ball, he was a great route runner. Um, but he only had 312 yards. You know, like you look at some of these numbers that some of these other freshmen are, were putting up, it's absurd. Uh, so not expecting Brennan to win this one, but really exciting that we have a freshman of the year. Uh, in contention in, in the country. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, and especially with the amount of seniors on offense, especially in that pass-catching room, he, he immediately vaults up to the number one guy coming in next year. 100%, and it will be part of our trivia question, but uh, the the answers should be pretty exciting when we talk about some of the other freshmen of the year in Sanford's history. I was checking real quick to see who the, other, who the coaches had as their freshman of the year because I remember there was a co- so Brendan Jenkins won the the media one and the coaches, but the coaches also picked Carson Jones, quarterback for Furman, uh, as theirs. I don't know anything about him, and I'm not, not going to pretend to. So just, you know, nice for Brendan to sweep both the coaches and media uh, selection for that because, you know, not always – that doesn't always happen. Clay Hendricks for Furman won coach of the year in both. That's pretty – Impressive. Jay Person, shocker, shocker, defensive player of the year. He was he was predicted to win. He did win. Good for him. Uh, the only one that really differed was the offensive player of the year. The coaches picked Tyler Huff for Furman, and the media picked Cole Gonzalez. The media was probably correct, considering Huff was not nominated for player of the year in the FCS, unlike Cole. So... Um, point it's there. It's funny for how that media. works out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Funny how that works out. But yeah, I would say this is pretty, uh, with the exception of Chandler Smith, pretty on par with what we expected. Jay Stanton led the conference in conference rush yards, which was awesome. And uh, Noah Martin just doing his thing, and then Jabari Jabari Brooks. What can you say? I mean, our offensive line. Somebody somebody had to play well this year, and he and he played he played very well. But I'm excited for our for our trivia question, Grant, um, because if there's anything to look forward to, it's what Brennan Jenkins could turn out to be. Uh, but first, let's talk about Whammy before we get before we get to the one man trivia tonight. 
Uh, if you're a listener of the pod, you know Sanford Sports gets us gets us excited. But before we start our game day, we love brewing up a pot of whammy. In fact, I had six cups uh, just today to get through the Sunday after Thanksgiving and ready for the work week. Um, it is the the coffee is roasted locally in Birmingham, and they always have an incredible assortment of beans from around the world. Uh, I also love Grant that they throw in a little mystery toy. They throw a little mystery toy in every single bag of beans. So uh, for the perfect start to your morning, you can pair our podcast with a cup of whammy. Just head to whammycoffee.com and order today. Actually, just put in my uh, my monthly order last week. So all we stocked go. stocked and ready with the whammy. Uh, weather, cold weather is kind of just hitting. So the coffee, the hot coffee hits a little different in the winter. I love it. Um, but for our trivia question, Grant. Brendan Jenkins is the is the third Sanford Bulldog to win SoCon Freshman of the Year. Who were the other two winners? And if you only get one of them, I'll let it count because you're solo. I don't. I think Mike. I know Jeb would get this at least one, and I think Mike would get one. I don't know if either of them would get both. Can I phone a friend? Is this who wants to be a millionaire? No. Um. Uh, who is this friend? And no, <laughs> you said Jeb was going to get it. I might as well call him. <laughs> um, dang, this is tough. Stanford Bulldog to win SoCon freshman of the year. It is tough, but you're going to be yeah. really happy when I tell you one of them. Cause if Brennan can have any kind of career like him, we'll, we'll be doing just fine on offense. If Brennan can, no, that's, that's good. Um, was Fabian Truss, was he freshman of the year? No. That would have been exciting. Yeah, that would be. Um golly, this is this is tough. I like last quite last week's question much much better. Bobby Bowden was the answer to that one. Um, that was way too easy. I know that's exactly why I liked it. All um, right, so I'll give you a clue. I'll yeah, give you a nothing, clue. Yeah. It's okay, another yeah. receiver uh who enjoyed the hatch attack. Oh, um, Dang it. Um, Kelsey Pope was before before him. Karel uh, Hamilton? Nope. Kelvin hmm. McKnight Jr. Oh, Kelvin. Yep. There in we go. 2015. And then in 2008, quarterback Dustin Talaferro, who had yeah, quite okay. a few um, memorable wins back when Georgia Southern was running train uh, through the FCS. At that point, I guess Division Two, uh, Division One, Double A. I think just Dustin might have beaten them two or three times, but it's hard to right. find stats past 2012. It doesn't like Sanford's website doesn't really have anything past 2012, and so it's been a little yeah. difficult finding anything on Dustin, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, you can go in the fact book and find like his stats over the year, but like as you said, box scores from 2012, you can't you can't find before 2012, you can't find right. those, but right. So yeah, All right. Brendan Jenkins, third Bulldog to win freshman of the year in the SoCon. Uh, Kelvin McKnight Jr. If he there can get anywhere close, anywhere close to Kelvin's career, it will be a stellar one. That was a good one. That was good. All right, so we have a choice here, Grant. Do we want to keep talking about football or pivot back to basketball to pivot back to football? It's your call. Oh, back to basketball, I think. Yeah, yeah, basketball. Okay. All right, so. Uh, let's talk Louisiana. We got Louisiana coming up Thursday. Uh, according to the Kim Palm, we're pretty evenly matched 
We are 143. They are 148 as of Sunday or today, I guess. Um, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I'll give you a quick little rundown, and then I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, Louisiana is four and two at the moment. They're probably going to be five and two. They play Loyola, New Orleans, or Lo- Loyola, Louisiana. I don't know if they're the same thing. Um, Who knows? But they play them, bef- I think, on Monday or Tuesday, and so that should be a win. So probably be five and two. They come in averaging 84 points and allowing 73. So pretty decent margin. Now, granted, their schedule's been light. uh, Very light, I should say. Their leading scorer is Kobe Julian or Julian. He's a forward. He's 6'6". So probably a really good matchup uh, for Jermaine. He averages 18 points a game, but he's kind of prone to turnovers. I saw that their team shoots 39% from three. We shoot 36%. Uh, and then 48% from the field, we shoot 44 Interestingly, our assist to turnover ratio is basically identical. Theirs is 1.4. Ours is 1.3. Um, but kind of probably the most impressive part of just looking at their defense is that they force almost 15 turnovers a game. Ours is even more impressive at 17 like I said, yep. though, both of these teams coming in with kind of a light, kind of a light schedule. Sanford, the obvious exception, Purdue, like that does not count. Yeah, that's um, that's a trump card. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, so it's a little hard to read too much into the defensive stats, especially, but it's on on paper, it's a pretty even matchup. Yeah, I like a couple of things, or I'll bring up one other thing. But one thing you mentioned with turnovers, right? Both teams excel at for at forcing the other team to turn the ball over let's see which team has more success and in a game that will go up and down considering if you look at the numbers on the turnover success but then you jump over to the three-point line on defense right now louisiana limits their opponents to 25 percent from three which is good for 18th in the country so for somebody else yep right for somebody like sanford especially if jermaine doesn't play you need somebody like Jaden campbell who's been starting at his place to step up and knock down threes consistently but those are two things. The three-point shooting especially are something that will be something to look at and see if Sanford can do it. They can continue to do well over the last three games was to shoot the ball well while also making good passes and putting other guys in position to make plays. So we'll see how that happen, how that transpires on Thursday. But that's something I'm looking forward to. Do we know if Jermaine's expected to be back? Or is it just kind of in the air, up in the air? I, I think it's up in the air. I don't know if... I don't think he will. I can check okay. and ask and maybe see if I have anything to report on, but I don't I don't anticipate him playing, but Dang. you never know. He's one of the tough he's one of the toughest guys in the country. We'll see if he actually can Yeah, yes. Get up and play with that hand injury. Uh that's too bad because when I was looking at this guy, Kobe, it, it would just be such an entertaining matchup to watch. Very similar to kind of watching Jermaine and Furman last year. Or Jermaine and uh, UNC or uh, Western Carolina last year. Just yeah. any of their athletic forwards, Jermaine would be on. Always gave us some good basketball. And uh, this Kobe guy, I mean, leading scorer on the team. If Jermaine was healthy, and if Jermaine does play, that right there is probably what would lead us to victory. Is just his defense and ability to shut Kobe down. But yeah, we'll see. Um, Jaden Campbell's plenty athletic enough uh, to go guard anybody in the country. 
Yeah. We we've known forever that he's probably the most athletic guy on the team. Um, yeah, and it's been awesome to see. Yeah. It's been awesome to see that offensively he's been stepping it up. Because when we first talked, I was like, "Oh, Jaden's looking good on offense," and then we talked again, yeah. and it's like, "Oh, Jaden's not looking good on offense." And then since then, he's been pretty consistent. Uh, yeah. So that's look. If we're looking for positives. During a uh, a time without Jermaine, that is one of them. Yeah, Bucky did call uh, Jaden one of the best pure offensive offensive scores on the conference. So, like, if he can commit to doing well on the defensive end, something that also Bucky kind of razzed him about. If he gets better on defensive end, he's going to play more minutes, which obviously he has to play more with Jermaine out. But still, seeing him be more assertive, be more confident on the defensive end, will definitely see him play a lot better at for for however long Jermaine is out. It's interesting. Uh, it's too bad that he's not a freshman or a sophomore, right? I would love to sit here and say, oh, the potential is there for defense because he is so athletic. But frankly, it, it seems like a, a matter of maybe mindset or willingness. I'm not quite sure because he's plenty yeah. athletic to be a, a great defensive player, obviously. But by this point in his career, he's known for his dunks and his ability to finish at the hoop. So we'll see. We'll see if he can turn into a defensive juggernaut. I mean, that would be insane if we had two, yeah. if we had AJ and Jaden both playing defense well. I mean, it would just be nice if AJ keeps his offense up. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of all we wanted. But if we could get that and Jaden brings up on brings up his game on defense, now that's the two-headed monster I was kind of talking about. Uh, last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was. Yeah, and AJ's shots coming along too. He's getting more confident out there on the three-point arc, which would be key, as we mentioned, against this Louisiana team that doesn't allow teams to shoot threes. As he's thirty-five uh, percent on the year, so we'll see how how this hap- how he does against this Louisiana defense. Yeah, our team, our three-point percentage as a team is still pretty low, but. But the guys we want to see make them, the, the percentages are slowly ticking up. Yeah. Rylan Jones, for well, example, yeah. is shooting 47%. Jaden Campbell's 46%. Uh, both of those guys, like 32 attempts, 24 attempts. So we're not talking about two or three shots here or there, right? Yeah. Uh, Jermaine Marshall, obviously, he's played two less games than everybody. He's at 16 attempts, shooting 44%. Um Lucas Walls only has nine attempts as technically leading the team, but he only has nine attempts at 56%. Yeah. Um, so th- that's all good. The the one the one guy on here, 20 attempts, 20%. Old Garrett Hicks. Garrett, yeah, we're gonna need we're gonna need that ball to start going in, Chief. Yeah, it's been a it's been a slow go for him as he's probably had a get more acclimated to a smaller role because Alabama a he kind of was the guy as he started pretty much every game in his career. But we'll see. I mean, we saw the same thing with Bubba last year. Remember, he kind of started out slow in this two-guard role mm-hmm. in the same role that Garrett's in. So we'll see. Yeah, Bubba turned out more, at the end. Yeah, how more comfortable he gets in this offense, especially when this offense is passing the ball so well as they're 14th in the country in assists per field goals made right now. And uh, while we're looking at three-point percentages, Riley, a chore, stop. <laughs> stop shooting the three. Y'all only have seven attempts and nine attempts, respectively. Uh, but at 28% and 22%, that's 
maybe there's a reason the defense is letting you shoot. Hey, I feel that way about uh, Riley too. I know let's settle down a little bit. Let's work on the other parts of the game to get more acclimated to the college game. And then we'll see you step out and knock down those couple trays. But Yeah. So, you know, the three point shot is becoming less and less of a weakness as the season progresses, but it certainly still uh, wouldn't consider it a strength, especially with Garrett Hicks and Nathan Johnson, not really pulling their, uh, their full load. So, or their, their share of the load, so to speak. But Grant, as always, man, you are in the uh, the media room with Bucky after these games, and you asked him a you asked him an interesting question about about our play style and kind of how it's pretty different from last year, and uh, especially with just with regards to sharing the ball. And this is what he said: Good, good, good question. We 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 talked before the year. Now this team may not have some of the individual playmaking, even though we got great playmakers. That's not what I'm saying, but you know. Quez and Die from last year, they were more ISO players. Their strength was that. Um, they're, 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 because of that, we, we played a certain way because of that. Their strength was not going to be, hey, making the hockey assist to one more to the one more. They were, they were just going to, they were great bucket getters. This is, since I've been here, the best passing team that we've had. And um, when you have that, you're going to be very hard to stop. Some of the best teams I've ever coached were more this way than the other way. Because what can happen is when you do have an injury and you are committed to those key players, and if one of them goes down, it's challenging. It's very challenging. You know, we went through it last year. We had an injury or two injuries right there, and we went on a losing streak until we figured it out. I don't think you're going to see this team struggle as much as years past because of an injury, right? Because we're not playing around just isolation. Even Jermaine this year is, a great, is becoming a better and better passer. So our guys, when he went in the lineup, they were able to adapt. That was a great question. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, it is, it's interesting. Kind of the, one of the high moments from last season was watching the team overcome the adversity adversity and come together. I'm not going to say I'm going to miss the, miss that, that we maybe won't go through that tough stretch, but I will say there was a silver lining in that tough stretch where we saw a real maturation and coming together of, of the team, which, which was special. Um, like I said, not going to miss that that is not going to be part of this team, but just wanted to, wanted to point that out. Yeah. And it all worked out until at the end of the regular season. So It did. It did. It all, it all worked out until some people got healthy and came back. Um, but but anyway, if it's, an even, if it's an even matchup, Grant, I don't know what the line is right now. I don't even know if the line is out for this game yet. Probably not. But... I'm gonna go ahead and I'm I'm gonna call a Sanford win. We're at home. Uh, we always play well, bar the Furman game last year at home. Um, if Jer- but Jermaine being out does give me some. He- if Jermaine is out, gives me some hesitation to be as confident. If Jermaine were in, hands down, easy Sanford wins. Um, but with him out, I think it's gonna be probably more entertaining than we would like it to be. Yeah, Ken Palm has a, has a projected win for Sanford by three. So as as we mentioned, a back and forth game between two teams that are pretty even. Yeah. So that's Thursday night. That's gonna be it's gonna be a fun matchup. Uh, Macaulay is playing Baylor that night in the state title game. So I'll have two screens going. A little Sanford basketball, Macaulay football. Hopefully it's a good night. Hopefully we're two and zero when the night ends. But but we will see. Is that Dave Aranda coaching for Baylor still, or no? is that, <laughs> that, that different Baylor? Okay. Uh, barely different. 
I, I wish the Baylor I'm talking about was as bad as the Baylor Dave Randa somehow is still coaching, but yeah. 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 The coaching carousel, we let's transition to football. The coaching carousel in the FBS is heating up uh, in the SoCon ETSU. I think is the only one so far to make a change and they haven't even announced who is going to replace. Uh, I don't even, I don't even know the guy, the guy's name. Uh, George Quarles. Yeah. George Quarles. Thank you. He was, I mean, it was a legendary high school coach up in, uh, Michael's probably just shaking his head as he listens to this. Like, how do you not remember George Quarles? And sorry, sorry. You know, we don't pay that much attention to East public to East Tennessee public school, high school football. Um, that's what happens when you're not here. So yeah, exactly. Mike, uh, I can just, it's funny. He's shaking his head as I keep talking. Anyway, so George Quarles is the only coach fired at the moment. Um, Drayton certainly will not be fired no matter how bad that season was. I, I don't know about Wofford's coach though. There, the culture doesn't seem to be, I mean, the win against Furman may have saved his season, right? Like you beat, that's the one game you got to win. And he did. Yeah, for sure. Epic upset, but I wouldn't expect too much change uh, this year. Maybe if, if uh, Jimbo throws his hat in the ring and wants to oust Hatcher, that would be the spiciest thing in Sanford football history, but that ain't happening. Um, So probably uh, Jimbo, that Jimbo, that all for Sanford collective is still there. In case case you're wondering, I know Ethan can hook you. Ethan can, your son who's coming to Sanford can get you connected. So just in case, <laughs> just in case you're listening on your yacht somewhere, just know that the Sanford collective is out there. It, it is. It is. I love that. Love the plug, baby. Um, yep. Somebody's got to do it. As far as the other crazy coaching carousels, the A&M stuff cracked me up, man. I mean, they had a wonderful coach in Mark Stoops and they went with Mike Elko, who, if memory serves me right, they fired. And ran out of town. Uh, so not quite yeah. sure what's going on in Aggie land. Never quite sure what's going on in Aggie land. It's a true twilight yeah, did, zone. Yeah, I did see someone joke on Twitter, why hire than not hire the coach from the blue basketball schools that go seven and five to the other blue basketball school that went <laughs> seven and five this year. <laughs> I, was like, awesome. I was like, this is awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, the, love this part of the season. Coaching carousel never disappoints, and neither does the Iron Bowl. I mean, Grant, we talked about it at the very beginning, but Milrose throw, ESPN had it at a 0.1%, and uh, hopefully everybody's been seeing these videos of the Auburn fans celebrating before the game was over, only to realize that Alabama actually caught the pass to win the game. Oh, gosh. Oh, you hate to see it. That's 2021-2023. Auburn should have won both of those games. Yeah. I saw another thing where someone joked, imagine if you had the bet of Auburn over six and a half wins and they lose by lose to New Mexico State by three scores and then lose on a fourth and third fourth and goal from the 31. It's like, it's, oh man. To all our Auburn fan listeners, which I'm sure the majority of you well, maybe it's split 50 50. I, yeah. I will say my the people I encountered at Sanford were predominantly Auburn, handful of Alabama, but uh, I'm sorry, Auburn. That's a tough. That's a tough fan life right there. You got Cam Newton yeah, know, and yeah. Uh, yeah, Cam Newton and Bo Jackson. Yeah. Outside of that, 
maybe Cadillac Williams in that early 2000s Auburn team, but it's been slim pickings on the plane, slim pickings as the fat cat in Tuscaloosa keeps getting fatter. Not going to say the uh, RT on the on air like I no. did last week because that that phrase I'm, just should not be uttered. I think I may have said that once before too. Now that you mentioned that, I mean it's oh. basically a four letter word. I should have bleeped it out last week, um, but I didn't. We should both should both apologize for that, and we are apologizing for saying that at this time. Yeah, this is sorry. a public apology. We are very sorry that RT was said on air out loud, and it will not happen again. It'll never happen. That's right. It will never happen again. Yep. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Uh, the FCS so transition away from the Iron Bowl, which was all you know, epic as always. Uh, the FCS playoffs also did not disappoint. Mercer got their first win in playoff or in school history, first playoff win in school history. So congratulations! You now get an invitation to South Dakota uh, to go play the defending national champs, where you will get beat by thirty points in the snow. In the snow. Uh, and meanwhile, UTC gets to travel to Furman. So the SOCON is totally, totally getting hosed uh, in these matchups. I'm not quite sure what the committee was thinking. How in the world is Mercer the worst seed left? Like I don't, or worst team left. Like that doesn't make sense, right? Shouldn't yeah, the number one seed get the worst remaining team? And it ain't Mercer. Yeah. So once again. Check. Yeah. The committee is not making sense. And then UTC traveling to Furman, sure, it's light on the budget, but we've seen this matchup before. Can we get something else? I mean, my goodness. Um, I don't even know who I want to win that game. Can both teams lose, Grant? Is that possible? That is an idea we need to float around. But yeah, it's possible, I think. Okay. Maybe. I don't really no. know what would happen. Um, I don't know. Maybe if they both forfeited? I don't know. But we got to explore some but options both, here because it's not going to be fun seeing yeah. one of them advance. If they both get COVID, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's the only thing I can think of at this point. Look, but. the silver lining, though, Grant, the silver lining is the winner of that game, barring a miracle by the Blue Hens of Delaware. The winner of that game gets to travel to the harshest environment in college football. They get to travel to the Montana Grizz, uh, one of the most rabid fan bases out there. Hopefully in the full snow and full effect of December in Montana to get absolutely clobbered. And if they don't, I will be sorely disappointed and will hang up my bandwagon Montana uh, fandom right then and there. Because I don't know if I can stomach seeing Furman or UTC uh, make it make it to the semifinals. Right there with you at that point. Ugh. But I, I, with that said, also there's a good chance that uh, Albany and Idaho are other, our two other favorite teams. They have to play each other before the semis. So we don't even get to see the great Danes and the Vandals match up in the semis. There's a really good chance grant that I only have one or two favorite teams left by the time uh, we get through this next round. And that's kind of sad. That's a shame when you have like a basketball bracket, you go into okay. That, I'm gonna take this team to Final Four. Then they put the bracket out, and the two teams that you had that you liked are gonna be in the Sweet Sixteen. It's like, no, this is this isn't this what is I terrible. wanted. Right, this is yeah. not what I wanted. Um, but on the flip side, if you if you want a really good matchup to watch this coming weekend, Villanova Youngstown State should be an incredible game. Youngstown State, very good team, very good team. Destroyed Duquesne, who's 
probably, I don't know anything about Duquesne, but they probably weren't that great. They certainly weren't as bad as Drake. We knew Drake and NC Central, who actually, NC Central played all right. They gave Richmond a real big scare for most of the game. Richmond turned it on in the second half. Totally different game in the second half. But but yeah, that was a long-winded way of saying Duquesne's not that great, and Youngstown State is. Um, And Villanova being the eighth seed, the quote-unquote worst national seed, it should be a pretty tight matchup, at least on paper. and it's just kind of I cool like to mid- see yeah. two, I don't know if you can call them blue bloods uh, in the FCS, but two two pretty um, consistent powerhouses, so to speak, uh, match up in the playoffs. Because the other games, I mean, South Dakota, Sacramento State could be nice. Sac State always makes or can always make it interesting, but I would expect – well, and there was that chatter that South Dakota uh, – I don't know anything about South Dakota, even though they're, they're the three seed. There was some chatter that they were overrated, so maybe that game could be a nice little upset. But South Dakota State, Mercer, sorry, Mercer, that is just over. Uh, you got Albany, Richmond, go Danes, Idaho, Southern Illinois, go Vandals. And then the other matchup we haven't talked about, Montana State, North Dakota State. North Dakota State won 66-3 to against Drake. And they won by sixty. Yeah, they win by. Are they are they upset? Are they are they feeling that is the chip on the shoulder for real? Because if so, I'd watch out. Mon- the Bobcats of Montana State, I would watch out. North Dakota State in that game had five hundred and sixty total yards. So, yeah, we got a lot, a lot of good action in the second round of the FCS playoffs. If I had to pick, I'm picking Furman over the over the mocks. Austin yeah, P sure. is not that good, and UTC could not put them away. The Mocs are just not playing the best football they could be playing, but you never know, right? Furman beat them in the regular season. I would expect a repeat performance. Um, I guess I'm cheering for UTC because that's home, but... If you had to pick, you'd probably pick Furman losing, so... Yeah, yeah. Lots to look forward to uh, in this FCS round. And then lots of good stuff on the FBS level. I mean, we got Washington, Oregon on Friday night. Uh, We got, well, Texas, Oklahoma State probably won't be a good game. But Alabama, Georgia, I mean, we know Bama almost just lost to Auburn. So maybe they're not as hot. But Georgia almost lost to Georgia Tech. So neither team probably playing their best football, rolling into Atlanta and what should be a great, great matchup. And then in the ACC, who do we got, Grant? Florida State and... Florida State and Louisville. Louisville just lost oh, to Kentucky. Louisville, yeah. the most overrated yeah. team in the country outside of maybe Penn State. Um, yes. That'll be an interesting matchup. Florida State's quarterback did not look that... Backup quarterback did not look that good against Florida. And I think they even got down to their third string, if, I not, if I'm remembering right. But that was a, yeah, an atrocious game to watch. Yeah, because their backup, Rodemaker slid on third and eight and almost got his head taken off like that was like you just knew like as soon as he took off like two florida dudes were converging and you just knew he was going to get hit hard but he still came back in the game which was which is pretty odd but yeah that's, so we'll and yeah we'll see florida state's a yeah. very interesting team without without their main without their main guy so and then oh the big 10 iowa iowa michigan i, I will not watch that one i will not be watching that one either uh I will be tuning into anything more entertaining than watching paint dry. I think Michigan's a 20. 
23 point 22 and a half point favorite and the total is 35 and a half so they expect like a 28 to 3 type i mean i would be stunned if iowa scores a point yeah it would have to be special teams or defense yeah zero percent chance iowa offense scores a point so yeah lots to look forward to even though last weekend or this past saturday was the last full slate of games and it was a wonderful day i mean i was watching football from noon eastern to 1 a.m uh on sunday it was just a got to soak it all in even though that was the last full slate we still have a couple more uh hopefully a couple more awesome weekends of football and just as the fbs winds down the fcs playoffs are heating up so always good football until college is officially done and we're just stuck with the nfl but let's enjoy it while it lasts Yep, and then we follow Portal News, and Sanford, as we know, will be heavy into that on both sides of the ball. So, oh yeah, that's when that's when it gets spicy. Is when those portal commits, and then the guys entering the portal start all that activity starts, um, which is happening as we speak. So the portal, yeah, is Sanford's open. already started. Yeah, right. Yeah, Sanford's already started offering a bunch. Of, um, VMI doesn't have grad school, so basically every good senior other teams using their COVID year. I'm pretty sure Sanford's up. Offered almost all of them that are in the portal. So hey, that's good. We we we'll could take happens. some yeah. guys who who at least had one year under Rocco. Those guys are yeah. hardened, hardened, and ready to win. So for our state of the Bulldogs tonight, we have the little update on women's basketball. So last week we were on a heater, undefeated. Oh, Grant, we went to Hattiesburg for one of those multi-team events, and we dropped we both games to North Texas and Southern Miss. So maybe maybe falling back down to earth a little bit, playing two pretty big schools, uh, at least student-wise. I have yep. no idea if they have solid women's basketball programs, but we're now four and two, falling a little hitting reality's hitting a little bit, a little bit more. But we have two games. Two games. Yeah, we have two games before we record again. Uh, USC Upstate should be a win. And then Jacksonville State. Uh, probably evenly a matched opponent. Not too sure. Let's look at the let's look at the history right quick. I'm sure we played them quite a bit. Yeah, so last year they won. Jacksonville State won by 16. The year before that, they only won by three. We haven't beaten this team uh, since 2016 where we won 50 to 39. The... Uh, like I said, the last matchup was kind of a blowout. It was in Jacksonville, but the one in Birmingham was 56-53. So hopefully, hopefully the ladies can can turn in a nice game um, against Jacksonville State and kind of get back on the winning side of things and be six and two heading into a big road game against Alabama on December 10th. Now that would be Yeah, December's yeah, awesome December's game. the month of big games. Yeah. At Alabama, at Arkansas, at Kentucky. Yeah. December. That's December's payday. That's pay month right there. Yep. All right, Grant. So to cap off the episode, we are going to do – so for the long-time listeners, um, you definitely remember when we would shout out guys uh, and girls uh, across schools, sports, countries, uh, most of the time Sanford, but occasionally not. Um, we would shout uh, one person each out each week. and We kind of stopped doing that. And we're not going back to that, but something that we are going to start doing is just giving a quick little um, senior spotlight, so to speak, for 
a senior that has either finished their season or is finishing up their season that maybe didn't get all of the, um, you know, accolades and spotlight and attention that some of the other kind of flashier seniors think you're Jay Stanton's or, or a Chandler Smith Scott. So for our first senior spotlight, we are shouting out Peyton Ringer. Um, he has spent his entire career at Sanford, um, came to us from the Lovett School in Georgia. Uh, he's played receiver his entire career, and he's seen he's played in games pretty much every year since he got here. Uh, but Peyton Ringer, 5'7", he's listed at 5'7", 160. Um, Peyton, thank you. Thank you for the time and energy uh, that you've invested into the school and to the team. And I just want to give you a little love, man. So Peyton Ringer is our first senior spotlight, Grant. There we go. You know, one of those hard workers that comes that comes in doesn't transfer no matter the playing time, no matter the time on the field. It just always goes in and plays hard work and stays all four years throughout the school. So it's pretty That's awesome right. to see, especially in this day and age. That's right. A guy like that is a true fan favorite for sure. With that, everybody, tune into the game against Louisiana on Thursday, uh, the UTC Furman game on Saturday. You can catch the Mercer game if you want, but it'll probably be a bloodbath. If it's not, the SOCON is officially back on the map since Georgia Southern left the conference, um, or since ETS, actually even more recent, since ETSU was in the semis uh, just a few years ago. But uh, other than that, go dogs. State of the Bulldogs is out, and uh, we'll catch you next week. See you. Hey, you already know, you know, Sanford, about to get that ring, man. Hey, love y'all. We love y'all.